The Tom Woods Show, episode 1547. Prepare to set fire to the index card of allowable opinion. Your daily dose of liberty education starts here. The Tom Woods Show. Folks, my away carry-on is everything I look for in a suitcase. It's lightweight, strong. It's got a really smooth glide through the airport. It's got a built-in combination lock a compression system for overpackers like me, and a laundry bag to boot. Get $20 off a suitcase when you go to awaytravel.com slash woods and use promo code woods during checkout. Hey everybody, Tom Woods here. For a number of years now, I have been hearing, as perhaps you have as well, about the growth of libertarian and specifically Misesian thought in Brazil. And I've seen it with my own two eyes a little bit. But since then, I think I was down there around 2010, it's grown still more. And I've been curious about that. What explains this? How do we account for this? And I've had numerous people recommend our guest today, Rafael Lima, to come on to talk about it. And then I had a chance to meet him in person in Vienna a couple of weeks ago. And I decided right then and there, yes, I've been putting this off too long. We should have this conversation. I want to know what's going on there. And I want to know what, if anything, can be learned about the successes that uh, libertarians have had there that can perhaps be exported to other, let's say, less fortunate, (laughs) intellectually less fortunate parts of the world where we're still operating under really, really terrible ideas. Uh, What can we learn from the folks in Brazil? So Rafael Lima is a political commentator with a, well, you know, that's not even really fair to say because he's, yeah, he'll talk about politics, but it's it's always beyond politics that he really wants to, to take people in, into the world of ideas. And he does that with a YouTube channel that has just an enormous reach. So let's talk about that. Raphael, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Tom. What you've accomplished is very, very impressive. And I'd like to start off by asking, if you don't mind, how old a guy are you? Uh, Yeah, I'm 29 years old. And you've been doing this for several years now, isn't that right? Yeah, uh, 2015. So it's four and odd years. It started in July. Okay, how many YouTube subscribers do you have? Uh, It's 580 change thousand at this point. But uh, at this point, subscribers don't matter so much because with YouTube deliveries, sometimes you can get some funky numbers. You can get like a smaller channel having 10 million views and a larger channel having 1 million views. So we have around one and a half to two and a half million views a month. Can I assume your material is in Portuguese? Yeah, it's fully on Portuguese. Uh, I'm thinking about doing a podcast in English, uh, but that's another discussion. But yeah, it's fully on Portuguese. My listeners are all Brazilians. There are some Portuguese people, but it's all Brazilians, most of like 99 point something percent. Here's the big question. The question of the episode, which is, how do you account for the kind of success you've had? How did all this happen? The how, it's really a complicated question. I mean, just for starters, uh, we're not just a YouTube channel. We used to be just that uh, until like a year ago. Today, we're a team of 12 people. We have different things that we're doing in leadership training, community training, this and that. And I say that because I have my leadership team and my community team. And basically, I told them, look, you need to figure out how the hell did we did this, and then we're going to put it in a box, and we're going to give it to Tom Wood so he can sell it because he can sell the shit out of anything. So uh, we need to do that. Was, for now, we have some theories. We have some approximations on what did this growth, but I think that 
the, the most important thing is what didn't do it. Because if you look at the Brazilian movement or uh, the growth of liberty in Brazil and what happened in Brazil, you can say, ah, it was just a fear of communism and the economic crisis. Yeah, but why doesn't Argentina or Venezuela have a movement like that? I mean, they have something going on, but they had even harder crisis. So that doesn't explain it. Or uh, there is a lot of corruption in Brazil. Therefore, when libertarians come up and say taxation is theft and the government is a criminal gang at large, uh, then, well, of course, people are going to agree with that. Well, then why doesn't like Africa have like this huge movement if it's just like corruption or uh, stupid presidents? Uh, we had a crazy president in Dilma Rousseff. Uh, we have very large history of crazy presidents, but that doesn't cut it because you have crazy presidents everywhere. So... At first glance, you would think that explains it, but I don't think it does, because if it did, you would you would have huge movements everywhere else. And what did it, what made the, the movement be uh, so great, uh, we have groups all over Brazil, you can check out our site, uh, there are groups registered that, we have groups all over Brazil, the world actually, but I'm, I'm just my listeners in other countries, but it's really widespread, it's not like just in rich cities or big cities. I think what really did it was, first of all, good leadership. And I understand that kind of sounds like I'm saying to other countries, your guys weren't that good. It's not what I'm saying, but it's time having those leaderships. So we have people from the 80s who were pulling libertarian ideas in Brazil. And some of them are in government right now. Like they did the full track of, you know, climbing the stairs and you have good leadership that is just not not only just people who look like heroes who, uh, who are amazing, but who are good at building successors, who are good at building institutions, who are good at getting people together and, you know, putting aside the things that we might be and focusing on. Look, let's just get these three things done and look and go on top of that and you have a lot of organizations that are responsible for that i think students for liberty is a really uh important organization in that uh the Mises institute in brazil was really important for that the leadership uh, formation institute which is liberal and was founded by a liberal liberal in the classic sense not in the american sense which is Sully Matar, who is now in government, he's privatizing stuff they create leaderships so you have a lot of good people starting things out and not um not just in fighting over small things. I mean, that happens, but you also have a lot of building going on. And I think that the, I mean, I could have on a huge list, but if I have to put two other points, one is a kind of a crazy point, and it comes from Helio Botron, who is the president of the Mises Institute Brazil. He says it was lack of money, because if you don't have like ample funds, infinite funds on your institutes or your organizations, you have to make choices. You have to say, like, what delivers most? What impacts people the most? What brings the most donations back in so we can continue to operate? You know, sometimes you see organizations that they have like this huge backer and they end up just doing whatever he thinks it should be done. So it doesn't work all that well. I know this is a bit controversial, but I, I see that a lot. And that's why us, uh, Ideas Such Guys, we're a company. Like we sell products, we sell services, we sell a lot of stuff. Uh, our donors are not like donors. They're kind of like your supporting listeners. Like they get content back. So they're getting a service. Right? So that forces us 
to deliver to our audience that forces us to build liberty, that forces us to reach an important audience. And it doesn't dilute the message, which comes back to the third point, which is the liberty movement in Brazil was always like very hard liberty or full liberty movement. It wasn't like the let's cut the corporate tax by 3% movement. It wasn't like the small nitpicky thing. It was like, look, taxation is theft. But, you know, what taxes are you in favor of cutting? Every single one of them. Okay, so you differentiate. Like, you can put uh, a foot in the debate and say, look, I'm really not this guy. I'm really not a, like, washed-up uh, Republican. I'm not just a Democrat who knows basic accounting. And we are a really different thing. And people go like, oh, that's interesting. And you're able to do that while not looking crazy, while not being just um, the shock and awe and just go away over time. But the, look, we have really different ideas, but we can explain them calmly to you over time. And I think that draws people in because you're not looking like a simpler alternative to something, but you look like a real movement. You have a vision. You're saying, like, I want to get into that country. I want to get into that type of world. I'm not saying, like, this country is perfect, we just need to get rid of this law, which it's hard to get people excited on. We're saying, look, we need a radically different society. And people go, okay, that sounds amusing. Like, I could get interested in that. That sounds like a place I want to go to. I've had a chance to speak in Brazil before. And in fact, at one of the events where I spoke, the audience approached 2,000. We would kill to get a result like that in the United States. Yeah, yeah. Forum da Liberdade, uh, which is the Liberty Forum, happened since 1988. And that goes back to what I, what I talked about, um, leadership uh, and people back in the 80s doing stuff. And the people who organized this, which is the Institute for Entrepreneurial Studies, translated the Brazilian name, it's uh, Instituto de Estudos Empresariais, they're a spinoff from another organization from the early 80s. So they were like continuously doing stuff. But since the 80s, they were doing presidential debates. They were inviting the presidents to debate and giving them copies of, uh, of Mises books and Bastiat's books, etc. So it grew a lot. And yeah, today they make events with, uh, back in your time, it was 2,000 people. Today it's like five, 6,000 people. They do uh, invite a lot of mainstream people. They do still, like non-libertarian at all, uh, but it's okay. So you're the secretary of the economy. So we're libertarians. So we They're not like fully libertarian, but to the institute, they have libertarians inside. So I say, well, you're the secretary of the economy. So we want to hear you. And by the way, since you're here, do we want some books? Do you want to talk a little bit? Maybe listen a few ideas, you know? So they have the normal orthodox guests. And on the stage, you also have an anarcho-capitalist who goes out and gives a complete libertarian line. He doesn't go out like crazy and saying like, yeah, I'm a libertarian, but he makes the arguments like a libertarian would. Look, um, the point of regulation isn't to improve the market, it's often to stop it from happening, from working at all, and it becomes a merchandise, and it's going to be bought and sold, and thus you're going to have corruption, thus less regulation, preferably zero, you're going to have less corruption, which is a completely libertarian point. And it influences a lot of people. It's a nearly event's huge. Uh, the Mises kicked off, I think, that in that event. And 2010, like, it seems so long ago. I wasn't even 
in the party at that time. It was, uh, I came in like five years later. But yeah, it's just just building on top of brick on top of brick, you know, it's how we got where we are, I guess. All right. I want to move the conversation back to you and your success. What do you think it is about your personal style that can account for, frankly, how big you guys are now? Yeah. Uh, I mean, by Brazilian standards, we're not big. Usually channels who talk about uh, politics are in the millions. We're actually small compared to them. Okay, but and for a totally non-mainstream ideology, your numbers are astronomical. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Uh, the first thing is I worked as a magician for like seven years. So my job is I am a storyteller. So my job as a magician is to make an entertaining show and talk to people. And a magician is really like you're a storyteller, you're talking and you have to be entertaining. And by the way, you're doing a trick. But a magician should be able to take the trick out entirely and still be an entertaining person, right? And, and be able to tell a story or explain a point or something. So I brought that into doing YouTube. I take things from how you set up a show, how you intro or outro something, and put them into how I talk and how I talk about stories of stupid things that the government has done in the past week or et cetera. There's that. And secondly, Brazil had a lot of corruption scandals, a lot of reforms, a lot of things that were really complicated, and you needed somebody to explain it to the average Brazilian. So you have like this hugely complicated law, and the left is just lying outright about it and giving wrong numbers and everything, and everybody's confused. And then you come out and make a video, say, look, look, here's this pension reform. Okay, let me explain this to you. And you think, like, this is not libertarian. Wait a minute. That's where the bait and switch comes. People want to understand about this pension reform law. Okay, so I'm going to explain it to them, how it is actually in plain Portuguese, but I'm also going to put in libertarian points in the middle and explain, oh, yeah, yeah, but that doesn't work because libertarian point. Yeah, but that resulted in corruption because, uh, so you get the people coming in interested in what was this corruption scandal or what was this new law? And they come out thinking, yeah, I guess taxation is kind of theft, right? Let me just subscribe here and see a few more things. And also, I've done a lot of videos on explaining things that happened throughout the world, like the Venezuela crisis. You know, you have the left in Brazil and I guess the entire world, I guess, but you know, seeing like, ah, it was just a manipulation by the rich people or it's just a, the, the barrel of oil devalued, therefore crisis. And then I come out and make a video explaining about like, look, here's how this is just socialism. Or the 1929 crisis, I have like a 10 or 12 hour video. It's like five different videos on that explaining the whole thing. And that draws people who are looking at it for, you know, like a school work or a graduate work or just out of interest and gets those people in. So I'm kind of in just explaining politics and economics in general. And then you throw in libertarianism inside and you kind of get where I'm at. How does the mainstream media deal with the existence of you guys? You don't fit into any of their boxes. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like it, the mainstream media is starting to figure out that we exist and they have a name for us. It's it's you're going to laugh at this. Look, you have liberals, but liberals are now they're kind of like socialists in the US confuses people. 
And then you have neoliberal. And neoliberal is everyone that is not a socialist. Okay, but that's a reasonable definition. Okay, I'm saying like what they use. Okay, so there, there is neoliberal, which is everything wrong in the world is neoliberal. But then you have those guys who are beyond. Like neoliberals, they still wanted regulation agencies and some state. And then there are those guys who they want to like privatize justice and the roads. So they have a name for us. It's ultra-liberals, which is just, it's just hilarious. It's just, I'm, always, I'm always saying, dude, it's called libertarianism. There is a name for it. And they're still confused. They're still like, okay, so you defend the free market and Bolsonaro defends free market. Therefore, you're like his support wing from the free market. And we're like, no, he's a collectivist. We're individualists. We don't support them. There are a few libertarians in his government. They're just thinking, you know, let me just privatize everything I can't guess. But no, we're not his wing. And then the conservatives, and that's a very broad term because you have conservatives and reactionaries, they look at us and say, well, look, you're in favor of legalizing drugs. So are you a communist? I'm not sure. But people are still confused. A lot of people are coming to understand what libertarianism is, but the grand media, they're more focused on attacking Bolsonaro for anything related to his existence. But when they come to us, they're, they're still figuring it out. It's kind of funny, actually. But I've been, yeah, we don't fit. We don't fit. And they did a few stories on us. They did, um, there was a newspaper article coming out last year, was, which was really bad. And they tried to do, uh, like a big newspaper in Brazil, tried to do one here uh, with me. But it was with me. It was with uh, different names in the movement. But I decided to not give an interview because the guy writing the article had already written a completely deplorable article on a libertarian group in Brazil. I was like, this guy's not going to be fair. Like, he's just... And there was another interview with another libertarian, which the guy interviewed him for five hours, took the worst moments and published the the report, the the article as if it was just a conversation like like we're having right now. And it, it just came out like awful. So it was, ah, no, I'm not gonna give an interview to this guy. And he ended up describing me, he misspelled my name, he missed my age, and he described me as um, I gesticulate, I move my hands a lot. And that's as rough as 27 moves his hands a lot. And there's it wasn't really bad, but the bar for articles in Brazil is really low. So his article was eh, but it still wasn't a good description. But he got it right that we're not conservatives and we're not like the support wing of the right wing government right now. At least he understood that. And I guess that's honestly more than I could ask. Folks, this message comes to you direct from the king of the airport himself. You know that traveling during the holidays can be hectic and crazy and stressful, which is all the more reason to travel with an away carry-on. Their durable exteriors can withstand even the roughest of baggage handlers. Away products are designed to last a lifetime. If any part of your suitcase breaks, Away's standout customer service team will arrange to have it fixed or replaced. The four 360-degree spinner wheels give you the smoothest roll imaginable through the airport. Your belongings are safe with a TSA-approved combination lock, and I love the built-in compression pad that helps me pack more in. Away offers a range of suitcases made of different materials, a variety of colors, and two carry-on sizes. Plus, get free shipping and returns on any order within the contiguous U.S., Europe, Canada, and Australia. 
For $20 off any suitcase or bag, visit awaytravel.com slash woods and use promo code woods during checkout. That's $20 off any suitcase or bag when you visit awaytravel.com slash woods and use promo code woods during checkout. And you too can be king of the airport. Let's talk about Bolsonaro because I've heard both perspectives on the subject. I've heard uh, good things and I've heard he's a fascist. And it's interesting that some of the good things I've heard come from not any right-wing libertarian or anything like that, but from somebody I think everybody across the spectrum very much respects in Brazil and who has said that Bolsonaro is actually doing some good work. So it's not from any predictable source that I've heard that. So I'm interested to get your opinion and perspective on this. Okay, so indeed... Amongst the realistic presidential candidates that, that uh, existed in 2018, last year's election, he was the, the most friendly to our ideas in the economic sphere. That, that's a correct statement. The problem is that he's not, um, he's not a liberal, he's not a libertarian. He has agreed with free market economics, but he has not agreed with freedom. So when you go to, say, legalization of drugs, or not even drugs like ah, heroin, it's like, but medicinal marijuana, yeah, no, it's not going to happen. So there are a lot of, I'm not going to say red flags, but he doesn't, he doesn't defend liberty. He defends economic liberty, a greater than we have now, actually far greater, to be quite perfectly honest. But that's because it makes Brazil stronger. He has like this collectivist, mindset, this collectivist thread through, through which things go. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. The problem is that he is a collectivist, fundamentally. That's why I didn't support him in the last, in our last elections, because my point was, look, if he comes to believe that liberty is actually damaging to the country or the collective, he's going to turn on a dime. So I don't find that trustworthy. And I also don't believe that uh, fundamentally liberty grows by supporting guys that have support liberty. Like I, I prefer to let's support the guys that actually support liberty, even though they're going to lose or they're, it's going to take a while. But we need to do that if we, if we want to get somewhere, right? If we don't want to be like the support wing of somebody else. Now, onto Bolsonaro, what happened was he was kind of the right-ish guy on the right time. Uh, back in 2013, 2014, he was essentially a meme. It, and it, I know it, under, it, it's, it kind of fits in with the Trump rising, right? He was pretty much a meme in 2013, 2014. But he had the kind of right things you needed to have. Because Brazil has, you know, 50 nuances of left wings. There was no right wing party. The opposing party to the Workers' Party, which is a Lula's party, was they were they would be considered left wing in any place in Europe, but by default in Brazil they were considered right wing. So everybody that voted on them voted because they said, look, we don't want socialism. And there are these guys. So ah okay. But then he comes out having like this conservative package. I want to support the family. I want to support the nation. We reject socialism. We don't want our flag to be red. You know, he had all the slogans. And then there was the corruption, the huge corruption scandals in Brazil, and every party was in the middle of it. But he wasn't. Why? Because he was just the average congressman who 
wasn't too important to be bribed in the first place, you know. And his party was actually involved, but he wasn't. So he's pretty much the only clean rag in the store. And on top of that, he started growing because of that, because of this conservative wave coming out of guys, of writers like Olavo de Carvalho, who was really big in growing that. And at some point he realizes, look, I need some economics here. And look, we have left-wing economics, nah. Uh, we have these developmental, whatever, inflational, crazy Argentina things that clearly didn't work. Uh, what else is there on the table? Well, there are those Austrian guys and, you know, privatizations. Let's talk. Let me hear what you have to say. And he started listening to those ideas. And a lot of people who defend liberty realized, look, he's listening. Let's talk. And I agree with them. I mean, if anybody wants to listen... I'm going to talk to this guy. Doesn't mean I'm going to support him, but they want to talk talk to him. Uh, one of his sons uh, did uh, the postgrad on the Mises Institute. I don't think he graduated, but he went to study. They started reading something, and he started surrounding himself in, in the economic team with liberal guys. I mean, classic liberals, you know, like the Milton Friedman kind of type, almost. And so, by default, you see, look, in the elections you had. Corrupt Party A, Corrupt Party B, Corrupt Party C, by the way, they're communists, and Corrupt Party D, and that crazy guy, and Bolsonaro. Do we want to be Venezuela? No. Okay, so it seems pretty easy to figure out who you're going to vote for. And then in the second term, his opponent was Haddad, which was the former mayor of Sao Paulo, who was just a puppet candidate. Everybody knew he wasn't a candidate. He was just a front for Lula, who was in jail for corruption. People went, look. You have the party who made the largest corruption scandal in the history of mankind. And you have Bolsonaro, who's conservative, free market economics-ish. Well, that sounds like an easy choice. And he had Paulo Guedes, which is the current uh, Ministry of the Economy, which is really good on freedom. And there he came. So... I guess that covers it. If you have another question, I can... Well, I want to make sure we have time to get into what university life is like there. And again, whether and how you fit in. Okay, so we're starting to make a dent into it. We're starting to have a presence. And in many universities, ideas of liberty are well spread. Uh, I'm not going to say that they're a majority, but they are very organized. And it's gotten to the point where the left can't just uh, attack for free, just attack with impunity and uh, defame people, etc. That used to happen um, five years ago. But we have two different types of universities in Brazil. You have the public universities and the private universities. The public universities, uh, they're state-paid, uh, and they tend to be richer students because they have the best uh, education conditions to pass on the tests to get in the free universities. So they tend to be the richer students, which also tend to be more left-wing which it's kind of weird, but you have like that guilt complex going on, whereas um, my family's rich, so maybe it's the fault of capitalism that they're rich and other people are poor, because logically people are poor because they're rich people, right? Um, so I, therefore, as a child of this family, I feel guilty about this. So that happens a little bit. So in the public universities, you get a lot of people who tend to be more left-wing 
And because it's for free and you can just fail courses on and on and on, you get people who linger on for years on university just doing uh, left-wing uh, militancy work. So they tend to be very much more uh, left-wing oriented than private universities. Private universities tend to be for the, let's say, bottom half people in terms of income. And they go there because they don't have the education conditions or the time conditions to go into the public universities. So they go into private universities. And those people tend to be more business oriented, more whatever works oriented, or more, dude, I don't want to talk about left wing stuff. I just want to get graduated and get my papers and go away. Okay, so you have, you have two different um, atmospheres going on. And in public universities, you have a lot of people who defend liberty who are starting to get organized, who are starting to get groups, and that's a big consequence of Students for Liberty. Students for Liberty is very, very big in Brazil, and they are, I wouldn't say in all universities, but I, I would say most, but probably 75% of universities, public universities, they have a presence there. And it's because you have such a left-wing oriented and sometimes, just not a sometimes, often openly Marxist teachers who fail to deliver any class at all other than left-wing propaganda uh, when they bother to go to class in many occasions. Because you have that such a strong presence, a lot of people that are in the universities, they're like, I don't want that. To, I, I just want to graduate. I don't want to have endless strikes and endless uh, militant propaganda. I just want to graduate. And there are those guys who are libertarians, liberty-oriented people, sometimes they're just classical liberals, and they're opposing those guys. Oh, I like them. They seem to be a counter force that is making this university not be turned into um, a front for a party. I, I tend to be more sympathetic to those ideas. And a lot of people tend to go into those groups that defend liberty, libertarianism, because of that. And then they start to participate. And those groups, they're making a dent. Like I started uh, answering your question, we're starting to really bother the left wing in there. Uh, in many universities, it's like clear opposition. It's the libertarian group and the left wing group. And the libertarian groups, they're starting to win. They're starting to win in those big public universities to win the, um, the students' council or whatever you call it in English. I don't know. Uh, they're starting to get that control. Uh, it's not really worth for much to get that control because it's mostly it exists mostly so you can do left wing militancy. So when you're not doing that, it's kind of useless. But victories are starting to come in, and the left wing groups they're starting to identify those libertarian liberty oriented students as the main enemy. They're not. They're, they say that they're fighting fascism. Ah, we're against fascism, so let's oppose the libertarian group because. Liberty is fascism, as you, of course, have heard, right? Um, so there is a big presence there. It's really good. And it's in the thousands of students uh, that are engaging in that. We also have a website where you can register groups, you can register yourself and find other liberty-oriented people. It's uh, ideashajikais.com.brazil.br. And we have hundreds of groups. Ideashajikais.com.br. That's kind of a mouthful. I'll just link to that site at tomwoods.com slash 1547. Okay, it's, that makes it easier. Um, okay, so we have that website where you can register your group. We have hundreds of groups there. You can just open the map and see they're everywhere. So we have a presence there. And in the private universities, it's really different because 
you get more business oriented individuals. You get more. Uh, you can't afford to be paying high school. You, you don't have like in the U.S. huge student loans, etc. You used to have that and it ended up working badly, as it always does. But you can't afford to just you know go go into a, an expensive uh, private university and do, just do left wing militancy. So they don't tend to go there a whole lot. Um, so you have those more pragmatic, business oriented people. And they look at libertarianism and it's uh, explained to them in a good manner. It's not like um, the crazy banter or just antagonism. It's let's teach economics, let's teach entrepreneurship, let's talk about uh, Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, whatever. And so that engages people. So in private universities, when those groups exist, they tend to grow really well. I'm not going to say that they're the majority. They're not the majority. They're just people who are just trying to study but they have a strong presence. And if you go to Sao Paulo, especially because it's the groups I know most, the private universities have groups. In fact, the Mises Institute uh, in Brazil has a partnership with Mackenzie University to have a center of free market studies there. It's still developing. A lot of stuff is still starting to you know, grow its wings, but students have access to that. You, know, you have the left-wing party uh, group there inside the university as well. But there is like this group with the university. Universities are starting to embrace that. And teachers are interested because you have a lot of teachers who are just socialist militants. And you have teachers who are like, okay, so there's this new wave of economics. And well, that's interesting. Uh, some students want to do that. Well, we could do maybe a class of this, a class of that. Let's bring that into the class. I don't know that. That's interesting. So we're starting to get not only through the students, but through the teachers to get into the classes, to get into the, uh, I don't know how we call it, the grid of um, the courses that people have to do. But you're starting to sometimes get into the grid, into the credits, uh, mostly optional credits, but it's starting to happen. And it's weird because in many times, I guess in most times, you have students that want, uh, oh, we want a class on Austrian economics, we want a class on libertarianism. And the teacher's like, I don't know that. And there aren't teachers in university to do that. So it's not like the teacher is trying to force the students to learn, you know, the Austrian school or whatever. The students, they're calling it in and sometimes you don't have the supply of teachers to it. So it's kind of a funny situation. To what extent is the success you've had attributable to factors unique to Brazil? And to what extent do you think it can be exported and, you know, the rest of us can learn from it? Okay, so that's something we're still trying to figure it out. Uh, Brazil is kind of isolated, so I haven't seen in depth the culture of other countries and the structure of the movement in other countries to see if it's similar, if it's not, if what is happening or what isn't. So I haven't, you know, put everything on the map and seen mapped it out completely to do something. But I think there are some things that are unique. I think it kind of fits into our culture a little bit uh, because Brazilians are very entrepreneurial. We're not like the passive type of people who wait for things to happen. And because to a lot of people, you don't have other options. So we have a lot of uh, survival entrepreneurship in Brazil in many occasions. So I think people get interested in that. And I think that there is another thing in Brazil, which is it's not a successful country with a story of successful institutions. So when you say, well, let's have a very different idea and dramatically change the way that we face politics and economics in our country. If you're doing that in the US, people might say, I don't know, but I speculate. People might say, 
but we're the richest country in the world. We've done we've done some pretty stuff, you know. There's some bad stuff, but we're done. We've done some good stuff. Uh, are you sure you really want to change the, all those things? But in Brazil, it's like, yeah, we don't, yeah, yeah, it's cruel all this. Let's try something new. So that's easier, and you don't have uh, strong institutions and parties that you cling on to. So you don't have like the I don't know how old is the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. You don't have um, deep uh, institutions that you think, well, maybe we can try to fix that. No, in Brazil, institutions are new. So you're like, I can start a new one. We're not competing to against a huge mammoth of an organization. But other than that, I think that the way that we teach our ideas, that we expose people to liberty, the techniques that I use in my channel, the way that we talk, that we... Um, program our videos, that we plan our videos. I think that's that's something that can be taught. I think that everybody can benefit from that. I think that the ways that we organize our groups and that we use uh, different networks to set up events, that can be taught as well. I think there are some elements that could work in any country. And especially the first phase where you're starting to bring the few people in. I remember, I think it's Walter Block talking about when he talked to Murray Rothbard and he asked Murray, how many libertarians are there in the US? I think it was in the 70s and Rothbard was like, ah, 25. So going from 25 to 200 is really hard. I think that's the hardest part. When you're in our position where you have something set up, it's kind of easier. Like you have everything already started. So it's not a huge hustle for you to get from something out of the ground, you know, but getting that first basic thing and setting up uh, the engagement of people, a sense of belonging in an organization, getting a mission going, getting an idea, just that small group tactics, I guess you could say, or just the small group um, motivation of those people. I think that's something that you can reproduce everywhere you're going to have to adapt it to the culture of course um, you have more um, collective oriented cultures i guess like india for example where people are more they socialize a lot more and you have more individualistic cultures like i mean estonia i've been there where you're going to have to change that a little bit but i think it's a technique that you could put into other countries uh, I'm a bit reticent about it because I think you have to test that out first before you say like, ah, you have the magical key of liberty. But I think we're up to something. There is some things here that we could package maybe. That's what we're trying to do in the medium term, maybe in a year or two. Maybe we can have something that we can export. I think there are things that we can teach at this point already. But um, I mean, let's see, if you need help, if you're listening to this and if you need help and you um, want to get insights, contact us. We'll see how we can help you and we can learn from that as well. So we can try our things and see if they work, if they don't. And uh, everybody in Liberty ends up winning off of this. All right. I'm going to link to your stuff at tomwoods.com slash 1547. Obviously, Portuguese speakers will find it particularly useful. And I'm glad we had this opportunity to talk. And if you have more insight into what the rest of us can be doing, we will gratefully receive that advice and counsel from you. But continued success, and thanks so much for your time. Okay, every time you need a man, just call me up. All right, folks, tomorrow, David Stockman, a former director of the Office of Management and Budget under Ronald Reagan, returns to the program. We're going to talk about Trump and impeachment. We're going to talk about the current slate of Democratic candidates, the one Stockman thinks is going to be victorious. 
We'll talk also about specific ways the Federal Reserve has been harming the average Americans. There's going to be a lot of great stuff in that episode. So make sure you subscribe to the program over at tomwoods.com slash apple, and I'll see you then. Become a smarter libertarian in just 30 minutes a day. Visit tomwoods.com to subscribe to the show for free, and we'll see you next time. Like the sound of The Tom Woods Show? My audio production is provided by Podsworth Media. Check them out at podsworth.com.